Hey, welcome back. Today, we have part two with Bob Kowalik. He's a physical therapist, previous practice owner. He sold a large practice that was doing, I believe, 10,000 visits per month at that time. He then started a billing company and then kind of morphed and transferred into a revenue cycle management company. They built a lot of uh, intelligence and software and they help practice owners like you. They help them get paid as fast as possible and efficiently as possible. Uh, we talk about a lot of things. This is part two. If you didn't catch part one, I suggest you go back to it. Uh, I sit back a lot in this episode in the first and second, the uh, part one and part two. Uh, Bob has a lot to say, which is great. And that this is not my area of expertise. So that's why he's on the show to tell to you and help you with your billing, coding, your revenue cycle management. And if you can improve that process, whether you do in-house billing, you outsource it, whatever, then your cash flow, you'll be paid sooner. Your cash flow will typically improve. And if your cash flow improves, then usually your margin improves. You can sleep better at night. You can pay your therapist what they're looking to be compensated. There's a whole host of things that then happens because of what he does and how he helps us and how he helps other practices out there. Here is part two with Bob Kowalik. I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. You're looking at buying practices, right? What's the most attractive practice to you? If I can put you on the spot and maybe... Yeah, no. Yeah, of course. The most attractive is obviously the ones that have the largest margin. That's a big component. And so going back to your example, you were just saying, you know, if you have if you have fixed costs that you can't decrease and you have somewhat fixed revenue where you're not able to have either cash pay services or I mean your contracts are your contracts, right? And so the only way out of that or through that is you said improving your systems and your processes, which I think if I could read between the lines, it would be the efficiency component, right? Well, which is something that you would help with. Yeah, you need to use the time, the efficiency component to understand how the others are actually working. Is there room to optimize and improve these things? And it's the efficiency of the billing process that will shed light on that like nothing else. And that's where the whole industry is off target. The problems are the same. More billing time demand than billing time supply for many reasons. 68% on the practice, 23% on the payers, 9% on software that you're in and clearinghouse that you use. Okay. And you want to optimize and change and evolve over time so that that efficiency piece gets better and better and better. And you want that no matter whether you're in-house with your billing. It's easy for you to understand why you want it in-house because you can get more visits or claims volume per FTE for however you're staffed in your billing operation, right? What you do if you're already outsourced to somebody that you're paying 6% to pick a number, okay? If you go through that exercise and really maximize efficiency of billing, what have you done? You just increase the margin of your billing company, right? Because they're still charging you 6%. In fact, they might be even, you know, you're raising revenue, you're lowering costs and they're making more money and, your cost of billing remains a constant. That's why I don't believe in fixed percent of revenue billing contracts. We went away from that four years ago. 
Yeah. Do you want to go into that a bit? Because I know as, you know, Sturdy McKee introduced us and as you and I had spoken over the past year or so, there's kind of almost like a sliding scale with how you would then price out these billing and RCM services for practices. And basically like if it becomes, if it's lower volume or more challenging, then it would be a higher percentage cost of the, of collections for the practice owner. But I think based off of their systems or the higher volume that they, they are, then they would actually be saving money and it would be potentially a lower percentage of collections that would be your yep. fee and your rate. If you could just expand on that. Yeah. So I'm a physical therapist, former private practice owner. I can't stop thinking that way. Right. So the structure we have is the structure I would have wanted if I used someone else back when I was doing it for myself, which basically means but you got to think of yourself. If you've outsourced your billing, you're a client of your billing service and your billing service wants you to be the best client they have. And the question is, well, what's in it for me to be a great client for you? And in their world, it means there's really, you'll have less denials or, you know, your, your revenue might go up, but your cost is a constant compared to your percentage of revenue. In my world, we're an outcome-based fee. So the higher the revenue per visit, the lower the fee. The more efficient we are as a billing operation working with you, the lower the fee. And so we share, we're on the same side of the fence in terms of how we're pricing services. We want you to be a great client and you want to be a great client because you are going to pay us less. And if you're not paying us less because there's a lot, that 68% is very strong in your practice, we're going to give you all the data you need to know what needs to change in order to become a great client. And great meaning we're not giving money away. We're not leaving money on the table. You're getting paid quickly. And we're able to do that very efficiently, which means our cost is down, right? We look at this the same way as if you have in-house billing. In-house billing, you want your biller to get you all your money quickly. And you want to be able to put as many visits through your FTEs as possible. That's the most economically positive scenario you can have with in-house billing. We're structured that same way. So the pricing depends on the outcome. Now, this is where we've, we have issues, frustrations, reality, you know, whatever you want to call it. Not all practices are equal in terms of their ability to control the billing efficiency variables, right? You need to be able to evolve operationally in order to do all of the things that you have to do as effectively as you can. Humans are going to make mistakes, but you want to get down to the kind of the minimums, right? I can tell you that, you know, as I said, 29% of all claims nationally are broken. And so you want that number to be under 5% for your practice. Let me tell you exactly how, what percent you are if we have your data. And we've just through this model and that we've needed to develop this platform and the data approach to quantifying complexity and billing time demand. And through building that tool, we, we're now in a position to offer that to practices that do billing for themselves because we want to help you. We have two objectives with this. Number one, obviously help you get all your money quicker, even if we're not doing your billing. So if you're doing it for yourself, I'm not going to stand here and try to convince you to outsource billing. Every other billing service in the world will give you 50 reasons why you shouldn't do it for yourself. You're either wired to do it for yourself or you're not. It's that simple. 
And if you're not wired to do it for yourself, I can help you do it better by allowing you to operate your billing operation on the same platform that we use. And what I want to do with this platform is to create enough data nationally in all structures, right? In order to really solve problems, to make sure you're not leaving money on the table, to make sure that you're getting the most margin you can for the structure that you have, to create data on what payers are really just too big of a pain in the butt to actually work with, right? I'll go down a little bit of a, I don't know, (laughs) call it what you are, you'll sense like frustration, but these payers that are out there paying you less while they cause you more and more time to get paid, it's just not right, right? And no, no one's doing anything about, I mean, you're not in a position individually, right, to go and change that. Now, you can go to your payer and ask for more money. Good luck. And I have had clients that did get $2 a visit more just by asking. I'm not saying don't ask. But you need to be in a position of knowing your value proposition, why you're underpaid, and how they're making your life more complicated because of their inefficiencies and the things that they do. And in order to be in that position, you've got to quantify these things. And so it is all about data. Today, the challenges that we're faced with as a profession have to start with data that paints an accurate picture of where we're at and what we're experiencing and what we're dealing with. And then we have to go off into the, how do we become more and more able to optimize and change and improve based on data? And with the right data, you'll see the change, right? You're not guessing anymore. We gotta be really, really better business people. I went into physical therapy, private practice. I'm sure it's the same reason most of you did because I was a great clinician and I thought I could make some more money doing it for myself than I could working for the hospital or or whoever. And (laughs) it doesn't take long to realize that you didn't really know what that meant, what you really committed to, right? And because they don't teach us anything about being operators, right? In PT school, we have every piece of information and data that you need to know exactly how it's going. And so Dave, would you rather buy a practice that has maximized its revenue per visit, minimized its cost, has great data, can explain exactly what's going on in every aspect of their business. If they've got multiple offices, they know exactly how each office is performing and contributing to revenue cycle objectives or is running around on fire, just out of control, having no clue why all these things are happening to their practice. Which one do you want to buy? Well, we do want to buy the first one. However, we have to pay more for it. We understand yes. that. And also there might be a limit of opportunity or upside if they've, let's say the practice has already worked with you guys for a year or two or, or several years. Um, however, it de-risks the situation. So us as buyers, we are assessing all of these potential deals and all of them have their own risk profile. And some are a lot more risky than others. And there was one that you and I were working on earlier this year, last year, and things came out and it was, yes, they had left some money on the table. And yes, that would have been part of you know your independent billing audit that surfaced some of that. And yes, that would have been basically right to us after the deal, after the transaction. But there were other things that we found that it was just too messy and it was not for us and, and we walked away. So 
yes, we would rather partner with or acquire the organized, efficient practices. Unfortunately, we're going to have to pay more. That's just the reality of business. But we would rather do so in that fashion. As but you're, to a, so you're going to pay a little bit of a premium, but you're going to partner with a practice that's more stable, more scalable, right? right. And that's what you want to do ultimately is you want to grow, right? You want each practice that you partner with or acquire to grow. And in order to grow, you need infrastructure and systems and processes and controls in order to grow, right? You need margin, you need... So your ability to grow a network, which in itself creates value over time, right? Being part of something bigger that has more systems, more controls, more standardization, all adds value to the bigger networks. So practice owners out there, because I did sell, I bought practices as well. So I've done M&A stuff. Buyers, I can tell you the typical buyers, not Dave, but the big consolidators out there, they're looking to pick off the wounded, right? Because they think they can change all of the inefficiencies and ineffectiveness that is there within the practice and then maximize their profitability and their value, right? And so as a seller, you need to look at this as a process. You need to be optimizing and improving and getting better and more controlled and more structured and more organized, more predictable, more scalable, more profitable up to the point of whatever transaction that it is that you do. And the fact that that's the kind of practice that, you know, Dave ultimately wants, you know, that is the best, the best outcome for everybody is you're on the right path to having a scalable, profitable practice and your revenue cycle functions and your revenue cycle as a whole, if, when, and how much you're paid has more to do with the value of your practice than just about any other variable that there is. You could be the greatest physical therapist on the face of the earth. And if you're not getting paid for it, what's your business worth? Right? Not much. And good luck being the worst physical therapist on the face of the earth and having patience. Right? And so... You need a lot of patience and a lot of margin, the most margin you can have per patient, the net value of a new patient. If you can maximize that, the, all the things that affect net value of a new patient, then you want as many patients as you can have. And the fact that your net value is as high as it is, the higher it is, the more easy it's going to be for you to scale and have more patients and hire more people and have a bigger office or another location. So ultimately, we're all in business to create a business that's valuable in a financial term, right? Someday, you got to do something with your business, right? You can't practice when you're 100 years old, right? You either need to hand it off to your staff, if you've got kids that are physical therapists, or just close it down or do something like a, a merger or an acquisition or, right? So you have to always be thinking as a business owner about what's the value of that asset and where am I going with it ultimately? And so the biggest metric for any practice owner is what is your practice worth? Essentially, what your practice is worth is determined by what's the net value of a new patient and how many patients do you have, right? The net value of a new patient is determined by what's your revenue per visit, your cost per visit, 
And how many visits do you get per plan of care? And there's drivers of revenue per visit, and there's drivers of cost per visit, and there's drivers of plan of care length, right? And you want to just be very structural in terms of your thinking around what are all these things, because those are the things, once you get down to things like, how is my therapist converting their time into CPT codes and units and modifiers that really affects revenue per visit, which affects net value of a new patient, which affects practice value, right? And to not sound too data-driven, what physical therapists do for a living is convert time, again, throw out the 100% cash model, okay? So in a revenue cycle business, therapists convert their time to CPT codes, units, modifiers, and documentation. That creates potential revenue. Just because you've coded a, an encounter and documented it doesn't mean you're getting paid, right? So you convert time into CPTs, units, modifiers, and notes. That creates potential revenue. Your revenue cycle processes, all of them cumulatively determine your success at converting potential revenue into cash. And you got to be really good at that. You want to make sure that you're getting the most potential revenue from your therapist time. And you want to make sure that you're converting at a very high level. We converted at the rate of 99.96%. Okay. Convert your potential revenue into cash. And all the things that you do day in and day out determine those two things. How much potential revenue am I getting for the time we have? And how much cash am I converting? What's my cash conversion rate from potential to actual cash? And that's the way a revenue cycle management business owner thinks. And I believe that's how you all need to think. And we're being innovative in how we're helping support that kind of thought process because it's just a different era. It's harder than it used to be. I want to maybe go lightning around, ask you a, a few questions about your thoughts on the whole out-of-network or, or cash-based, out-of-pocket world. Yeah. Before we do that, anyone that's watching or listening, like, are most of your clients in-network practices only? Are they hybrid where they accept Medicare, but maybe they're out-of-network with a lot of payers? Do you have some of those practices as clients? Do you have any clients that are... I mean, I guess private pay, I don't know if... you know. I don't think there's really a revenue cycle management. It's just like you charge the card on file and all that. So maybe just a little bit of like, who's the ideal client or practice owner with their practice structure and their business model to potentially work with you guys? Yeah. So the ideal practice owner for me is somebody who wants to use data to really have the best practice they can have, regardless of what structure they're in. Okay. We have all of the above. We have hundred percent in network, par with Medicare. That's the most common business model. We have hybrids where there's a certain percent, maybe, and this wildly varies, right? But we have practice owners that are 100% out of network, par with Medicare, and everything in between, 50-50, 20% out of network, 80% in network. And we have different models from outpatient clinic-based practices to 100% in-home under OPT, right? So we have all kinds of structures. We work in about 10 different systems or billing platforms. We don't have our own billing software. So we work in the client chosen systems, but we have 
we're able to influence those choices quite a bit. And it's a big, it's 9%, right, of the inefficiency if you're picking the wrong systems. So I would say the number one quality I'm looking for is the practice owner who wants to evolve, that wants to have a better practice, that wants to optimize process and wants to use the right data in order to drive that evolution forward. Got it. How about, what are your thoughts on out-of-network or private pay? So out-of-network, sometimes we get new prospective patients come into our world and they obviously have like a $6,000, $8,000, $10,000 deductible. Sometimes people end up paying us that over a whole year, but or maybe it's over two years because they love us. They want to continue to have a therapist come once a week or once a month or whatever. And a lot of people do not hit their $6,000, $8,000, $10,000 out-of-network deductible. I understand that. I'm in New York City, so I know the cost of living here is higher. There's a lot of higher salaries. There's a lot more wealth. And I understand that maybe my business model could not exist in other metros, other states, other areas of the country. I understand all that. What are your thoughts just personally like on what you've seen from your... You were a practice owner, 100% in-network. You have clients that are in-network and hybrid and some out-of-network. And now there's, you know, the past couple of years or so, the past maybe, I don't know, four or five, six years, cash-based physical therapy has gotten more popular out of pocket. Some therapists where they just, they set a rate, $150 a visit, $250, $300, whatever per visit. And they, they'll give a super bill to a patient or client and they charge what they want to charge and they treat how they want to treat and they totally cut insurance out of it. What's your perspective? Just being in the industry, as long as you have, like, what are you seeing? Obviously, there's some trends that you've probably seen. But what are your thoughts on that in terms of like sustainable models? I know it's not for everyone, but what are your thoughts on on some of those differences? Yeah, so your ability to do an out-of-network business model is is really determined by where your practice is located. What's your demographic? What is the demographic of the people that live in the community where your locations are, right? So you can't just go out-of-network if you live somewhere where... 80% of your population has UHC, right? And where you live, number one, kind of determines your options. So you have to choose a practice location if you're thinking about out-of-network that could actually support that. Out-of-network, if you can um, make a go out-of-network, it's a better way to go because you're setting your price. The whole idea that some third party is determining what the value of our time is, is kind of nuts but that's how it is, right? So in an out-of-network model, you say, I'm worth 250 bucks, 150 bucks, whatever your number is, what number makes sense for your revenue per visit and your cost per visit to get you a margin that allows you to be financially successful and scalable, right? So the more out-of-network you can do, the better. Now to go out-of-network, if you're in-network and you go out-of-network, you have to know two critical things. One is what percentage of your in-network visits have out-of-network benefits? Number two is what is your patient's out-of-pocket tolerance? Because out-of-network means they're going to pay more out-of-pocket. Okay, so you have to know those two things. You don't guess at those things. You have to have data that says when you do a verification of benefits, even if you're 100% in-network, you should be getting the out-of-network benefits every time you do a VOB. So that you can go back and look and say, hey, 70% of my patients have out-of-network benefits. Now, the 
patient's perceived value of what their experiences with you is going to directly relate to their out-of-pocket tolerance. Dave, you're the most amazing physical therapist I've ever seen. I don't care if I got to pay 75 bucks out of pocket, 100 bucks out of pocket. I'm coming here. How much of that do you have versus you're going to charge me $5 a visit more out of pocket? I, I can go across town and go to Bob's physical therapy. They, they'll take me there for less money, right? So what kind of consumer do you have? Are they really driven by the out-of-pocket expense or the value proposition for how they're spending their time with you, right? And the outcome. So, you know, those are super, super important things to know. Your, that decision is an evolutionary decision. It's a structural change. It's not just something that you, you decide to do. I believe that if you're out of network, this is a services factor that you should be submitting the claims under out of network benefits for your patients. Because even if they've got a $10,000 deductible, by submitting the claim and getting that EOB or that insurance company to say, hey, okay, we've now allocated $150 to the deductible, they're at least getting the deductible benefit. Because when they're going to see the orthopedic surgeon, it's helping them over there, right? Because the deductible is the deductible. If they can get past their 5,000, 8,000, whatever it is, now they've got a benefit. And you're contributing to that. If there is money on the table beyond their deductible, you're helping them get that subsidy back. And I just believe that should be the insurance model in general is patients have insurance that should determine how much the patient pays out of pocket, not how much you're paid as a physical therapist, right? So I'm going to charge 150 bucks. The patient's insurance is going to pay 60 they're out of pocket $90 versus I'm going to get 60 bucks, right? So I believe philosophically that we're underpaid, undervalued, the more out of network we do. And I, I also believe that this is why one of the things I'm, I intend to try to drive over the next couple of years is by painting a data picture of the complexity created by the payers. And now gives you another reason to consider going out of network. It's not just the money, but it's the extra cost they're adding by adding to the revenue cycle complexity factor because they make a lot of mistakes. They deny an error. They have claims that are not on file. They tell you you don't need an auth when you needed one. All the things that the payers do, we want to create a national rating system of payer complexity and use it against them. Use it to negotiate better fees. Use it to set yourself up to be out of network. Um, I just believe that it's that kind of thing that's going to be important for us as, a, as an industry in order to be in a position to do. Yeah, and I agree with you. So we, with the out of network that we do, we have a biller. They take a percentage. Everything is, you know, above board and whatever their expenditures are, like it does go towards the deductible. It depends on their their allowable amount per visit as to how much they'll accept per visit to kind of knock that deductible down. But you're right. We try to do well by the patient. So those dollars that they're paying, like even if it's a two or $3,000 deductible, and sometimes if it's the, the higher one, if it's five or $8,000, you know, the practice owner, it's easier to just be like, okay, it's like a cash rate basically, because you're never going to hit your deductible, but you're right. It does benefit the patient. If you are kind of putting that through the system, billing it, kind of putting it into like submitting the claim, even though they paid you hundred percent of the out-of-pocket rate. And then it, reflects and, and knocks down that out-of-network deductible. 
it's always funny to talk about this stuff because there's other physical therapists that I think are a little misguided with the, with the terms and they'll be, they'll charge like 150 or $200 per visit. And then they'll give the patient a super bill and they'll say, Hey, take the super bill and upload it to your insurance portal or fax it or whatever. And they call themselves out of network physical therapists. Like, no, 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 no. That's like completely out of pocket or cash based or whatever you want to call it or fee for service or whatever. But that's not utilizing the patients out of network benefits. Anyway, it's just, I, you know, some, yeah. And some it's, a, it's a big factor because it's a hassle factor, right? Now I got to go submit this claim to get my right. 80 bucks back. And, you know, maybe if $80 is important to me, I'll spend the time to do it, but how much time and how much frustration and they're going to experience all the things that the billing team experiences without being a biller, right? Without even knowing how to deal with this stuff. And right. so think about net value of a new patient, revenue per visit minus cost per visit times number of visits. I guarantee you that model is affecting the number of visits that you get. Absolutely. They will they will utilize less visits because of the frustration. And yeah, yeah for us, we just, as a benefit, we just handle it all for them. They don't have to lift a finger and then they'll get the EOBs uh, in the mail. And so will we, as you mentioned. All right. I think this is a great place to wrap up. Bob, what's a good place for the audience to contact you? Website, email address. We're going to put your LinkedIn, your email address in the show notes, but anywhere else that you would like practice owners to reach out to you or to learn more? Yeah. The best email to reach me at is um, rmk, I'm like Michael, so that's my initials, Robert Michael Kowalik, rmk at certifiedrsllc.com. So I still have, have our old name and our URL name, you know, our web address, but um, that'll be changing at some point. But that's the best way to get me, rmk at certifiedrsllc.com. And if you wouldn't mind in the subject line, if you're reaching out as a result of this podcast, you know, just put in there, Dave Kittle podcast. So I know that that's how we connected. Please do that. And, you know, I will, will follow up. And as we've said, if you're wired to outsource and you're not hundred percent confident that you're getting all your money as fast as possible and you're paying the lowest fee that you can reach out. If you're not wired to outsource, you got billing in-house and you want to turn your billing operation into a powerful BI tool, have data that you 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 know can really use to optimize your entire practice. We can help you on both sides of the fence. We're no longer just trying to convince people to outsource. We we respect the fact that some are, you know, just wired to do it for themselves and and we'll help you do that better. Or or if you're already outsourced and not super thrilled with that relationship. We could let you know how we could help you. We always do a very deep dive assessment into your present condition. We will identify every issue that exists before we even begin. So if nothing else, the process of understanding how things are working for you right now is pretty valuable. But anyway, we, we kind of, we don't go into things blind. We want to really know where you're at and, and your evolution and how well you're controlling these variables. And because ultimately our fees are tied to the outcome and the efficiency. And we want, we want to know that we can improve all of that and charge you less over time or start with somebody who's already really got it together. And, and we can be extremely competitive on rates when that's already the case. So let me know if I can help you in, in either way. Excellent. Bob, thank you very much for your time. That was awesome. All right, Dave. Thank you so much. Good luck, everyone. 
Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.